Hey everybody, welcome to today's video. We're going to talk about directionlessness, aimlessness, alienation. These feelings that have been along for a very, very, very long time. And because of social media, two things have happened. One, mental health professionals, philosophers are able to better address these problems. Two, we see these communities, whether it's on Reddit, on Discord, on YouTube, when a video about meaning in life gets millions of views, we go, holy smokes, it's not just me. A lot of people feel like this, and it could be a lot of different ages. You could be a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old. When you're sitting there, you're going, what is this all for? What? Why am I doing this? Why am I going forward? And this is a beautiful kind of area where philosophy and psychology meet. So today we're going to talk a bit about kind of why this thought of meaning is important, why this is such an important topic when it gets to mental health. This is oftentimes something that counselors and therapists will use. The arguably polarizing figure Jordan Peterson, I would say, some of his most famous talks are that of From Meaning, which he's derived from existentialism and philosophers. So regardless of if you like someone like that or not, when you look at a video like that, that's got millions of views, thousands of comments saying, oh my God, this is exactly what I'm thinking. This video saved my life. It tells you, whoa, there's a lot of people who are having these thoughts. So let's take it back a notch. What is meaning, right? This, this age old question of does life even have a meaning? Hundreds of years ago, and here are a couple of names that I want you to think about. If this meaning stuff is interesting to you, you should definitely go YouTube and Google this for more information, okay? Here's a couple of names to look at if you want to look at meaning. Now, existentialism, okay, is the theoretical model that is most aligned by looking at meaning and believes that a lot of our anxieties, a lot of our sadness comes from these existential, essentially what is an existential crisis? It's when this guy in his 40s, excuse me, goes and buys a supercar out of nowhere, or he divorces his wife, or this woman who's in a happy marriage with two kids, leaves him and goes traveling. It's this idea of, oh my God, I'm going to die, half of my life is over. And all of a sudden, we become very, very, very aware of our mortality. And we go, I need to do something. Or, or like, something else needs to happen. Like, I, I can't believe this. I feel like, I don't know how I got here. Or sometimes it's, look, life is so full of suffering. Life is so hard. There has to be something to make the suffering worthwhile. It's kind of like when people say, why should I try? We're all going to die anyways. Right? It's kind of like nihilism. Why do anything if nothing means anything at all? Why put so much into my relationship? We're both going to die. We're both going to go into the soil. And if you believe in the afterlife, maybe you do, maybe you don't. You go, look, what's, what's it all mean? Why do all this? Why get a dog? Why get a pet dog? It's going to die anyways. Why? Why would I put myself through that? So existentialism, a couple of names you want to look out for. Soren Kierkegaard. Rollo May. Viktor Frankl. These are a couple of ones just to kind of get you started. And then I'm sure you'll come about many others who also want to talk about this. So largely speaking existentialism was sitting there and a lot of the thinkers were going, look, there has to be a meaning in life. There has to be a reason to keep going. And it's got to be more than just, look, I'm doing it for the sake of doing it. I'm doing it just to pay bills or just to get by or just to survive and make it to the next day. There's got to be a deeper meaning to it. So the question is, Daniel, what is the meaning to life? And then existentialism came around and said, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. There is no one grand meaning. He goes, Every individual, and different existentialists have slightly different ideas, but they all agree on this general theme. They go, look, it is the duty, it is the obligation of every individual 
to assign meaning to their own life. Right? So they go, look, life has to have a meaning for you to move forward. And they believe it's, it's the soul, kind of the roots of depression and anxiety and sadness and alienation come from not having a meaning. Right, And then they say, look, the reason why you're not motivated to study, the reason why you don't feel uh, encouraged to go out, to meet friends, to work out, is because there's no meaning. You're going, why? What's it all for? Who cares? I don't feel like doing it. So what if I don't do it? So they come back and they respond. They go, look, there is a meaning. But you have to give your life meaning. That is your responsibility. Now you're sitting there and going, well, Daniel, this is all abstract. Like, what the heck does that mean? How do I give my life meaning? Now, before we answer that question, I want to share something with you. Uh, Victor E. Frankl, for those who don't know, was an existentialist who, in the 90s, during, I believe it was World War II, is caught in a concentration camp. Now, I'm not going to spoil it for you what happens, but prior to being caught in this concentration camp, he was Jewish and his family was Jewish. He had this idea for a book and this theory about life and where an individual can derive meaning from. He falls into this concentration camp and he witnesses some horrific things that happened to him, that happened to his family. When, it, when he comes out of the concentration camps, finally, he survives and he thinks to himself, everything that I saw in those camps confirmed the theories that I had about life and suffering and meaning going into it. And he writes a book called Man's Search for Meaning, arguably one of the greatest psychological, most powerful and popular books ever written. Man's Search for Meaning. If you haven't read it, if you haven't heard about it, do yourself a favor and Google it. Put it in your to-read list. I mean, if you want to talk about suffering and I have it bad, and I don't say this to compare, but I'm saying it's one thing if we say, look, suffering gives your life meaning. It's another when you hear about what this man saw in concentration camps, literally himself, not something that he heard, not a theory, literally in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany, what he saw human beings do to other human beings. And then he writes this book. Mind you, it, it's deep and it's dark. So uh, Mr. Frankel, uh, Dr. Frankel passes away in the 90s, in the late 90s. And I was watching this interview of him where this woman is telling him, look, your book, Man's Search for Meaning, is one of the most popular psychology books ever published. It sold more than 12 million copies. What do you think about that? Aren't you excited? Isn't that, isn't that amazing? How do you feel? And Dr. Frankel kind of goes, look, what does that tell you about our society? What does that mean? If my book has sold 12 million copies, goes, that's not a good sign. That means people are in need. People need this. That means there's a lot of people living at the very least meaningless lives. And at the very best, they sort of have meaningful lives, but maybe it's sheer curiosity. Like, really? Look, there's only so many people who actually pursue the things that they're curious in. A lot of people, you got to be in a really desperate place back against the wall where you start spending money and time to read about something or watch something that you didn't know beforehand. And what Dr. Frankel kind of reminded me is now every time I watch a YouTube video or listen to a podcast, I pay particular close attention to the views. And it tells me a lot about, remember folks, I made a video uh, many months ago about something about men, like positive uh, male role models, Joe Rogan, this and that. And I said, what does that show us about our society, right? When these guys are so popular, what are they saying that is so powerful, that's resonating with people so strongly and so deeply? 
right? It's not just one. It's not, oh, it's a small niche. We're talking millions upon millions of people, right? So there's something there that's uniting people, that's bringing them together. So we recognize that people are after meaning and, and they want something beyond just, I want to make as much money as possible. Or I want to, it's not just about lying down on the beach drinking mojitos, right? There's only so long I can do that for. I can do that for a week and then I get bored. I need some sort of meaning in my life. So an existentialist would say, look, here's one way to figure out how to give your life meaning. The first thing that you're going to do is you're going to begin by looking at the things that you value about life. So sit there and think about this for a moment. In life, what do you value? To expand on that thought, I might say, look, some people really, really, really value relationships. They love going out. They love seeing people. Or even if they're not extremely outgoing, they're more on the introverted side, but they're two, three close friends. They love spending time with them. And spending time with them makes them very happy or at the very least used to make them happy. What is a huge part of your life? What makes you, you? And if you're sitting there going, you know, I don't know what I value, like uh, scrolling on TikTok and reading Reddit posts. Here's what I do. I want you to, to imagine and you could take a video of yourself or record your voice. I want you to, to imagine this. I want you to answer this question, okay? What did you do this morning? So this morning, whenever you're listening to this episode, this video, think about what you did in the morning and describe it until now. If you're like, Daniel, it's the morning when I'm listening to this, think about this in the last 24 hours. Start saying the things that you did in the last 24 hours. Start talking about the things that you did in the last week from Monday to Friday. Tell me, roughly speaking, what did you do? What did your week look like? When you answer this question, here's the, the pragmatism behind it. Here's why this is important. We figure out what people value based on the time that they allocate to things. So it doesn't necessarily mean, oh, the more time I allocate, the more I value it. But what it tells me is it's important enough for you, one, to schedule things around it. Two, to, to actually do the thing. Like you might say, look, I think exercising is fun, but I just never get around to it. I exercise once a month. Well, that tells me you don't really value exercising that much. And it's not about opinions or this and that. Objectively, if we got black or white and you told me every day that you exercised in the last month and it was three or two or one or ten, we could see, oh, you know, this, this has a, you value exercising a lot. Or if you tell me you go to martial arts twice a week, or you tell me you go out on Friday nights to watch the hockey game with your friends. Oh, you value watching hockey with friends. So what brings you value? Is it exercise? Is it relationships? Is it walking your dog? Is it that nice cup of tea in the morning? Like that could be it. Like it doesn't have to be this abstract metaphysical thing. It could be Daniel. I value most of life is waking up having a nice cup of coffee and uh, writing in my journal. 
It could be, I value taking my kid to the park every weekend. Like, it means a great deal to me, and I want to make sure I do it. Also, folks, when you ask someone, what did you do over the last week? What did you do yesterday? We don't care so much for them to say, I brushed my teeth, then I flossed, then I put on my pants, then I put on my shirt. What's really happening is we're getting someone to filter out all the things that weren't important, and they're going to talk about the things that are important. So if I ask you, tell me about your morning, and you go, oh, nothing, I just kind of woke up, washed my face, and uh, I came over here. Or I pressed the snooze button six or seven times, but eventually I got up and I made it here just in time. What you're telling me is, oh, okay, you're someone who doesn't like value mornings necessarily, if most of your mornings are like that. You're hitting the snooze button a bunch, you're staying in bed as late as you possibly can. If you tell me you woke up at 6.30 and you had two eggs and avocado and feta cheese, and then you came school or to work, I'm going, oh, okay, this person, there's a chance that they value nutrition. Like nutrition is something that's important to them. Why? Because you allocated a certain amount of time to have those two eggs, the avocado and the feta cheese. Because you could have just skipped, skipped breakfast. So when you ask people, hey, tell me about your day yesterday. This is something you can do with your friends and family. And go, let's, let's see what they share. And then always think to yourself, why are you sharing this? What about this is important to you? Why do you remember this? Why can you easily recall this? Why? And as long as you can ask, you can say, oh, well, tell me more about that. Or regardless, I don't want to stray too far away from the message. So an existentialist would say, in order to give our lives meaning, we have to find out what we value in life. So like you take a step back and you go, okay, well, look, uh, TikTok, I think I value it, but not that much. Why? I go on it a bunch, but it actually doesn't make me feel any happier. Like after half an hour, an hour, two, three hours of TikTok, I don't feel that much greater. But what I really, really value is taking my dog out, you know, once a week for our walk when I see my girlfriend on Saturdays, right? Because every day I take my dog out, but Saturdays are special because my girlfriend takes her dog out and we both get to walk and talk together. Like, okay, that's what you value. An existentialist would say, do the things that you value even if you don't feel like it. Meaning, you might say, look, I used to love talking to my girlfriend and walking our dogs together. I used to love exercising. I used to love going out with my friends and watching hockey, but I haven't been in the mood. I haven't been motivated. I've been bummed out. I've been really overwhelmed. And one way to look at it from this existential perspective is going, look, these things you value in life, right? Based on your prior habits, it would tell us that if you were to do these things that you value, if you were to walk that dog, go to that hockey game, play violin, whatever it is, it's going to add far more fulfillment to you and to your life than it would just watching TV because you're tired or just being on TikTok or doing something that you know doesn't give you that same sense of fulfillment. Now, if you're in a really bad place, you might say, like, look, Dan, I used to enjoy working out. I used to see my friends, but as of late, I just feel tired. And like, I just, I feel overwhelmed or I'm just not in the mood. And that might very well be the case. And I'm not saying doing these things are going to make you feel amazing. But if we look at it from the world of existentialism and we want to give our lives meaning, we recognize these things give us meaning. If you're someone who exercises, if you're someone who 
loves to play chess, if you're someone who makes videos, if you're someone who's got this cool hobby you like to paint or you play music, doing that is a part of you. It brings value to you and you can derive meaning from it. So when life gets hard, when inevitably we begin to suffer and things become challenging, what's really, really, really important, existentialists would say, is do not abandon the things that you value. Even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't feel great about it, if you value your friends, still see your friends. If you value exercise, if you exercise regularly, try to exercise even if you're stressed at work. Find time for those things that you value. Because they will give you a sense of fulfillment that just lying down, just eating junk food or smoking or drinking or playing video games won't give you. So if you really want to give meaning to your life, you sit down and you think about what brings you value. And those things you try to engage in as much as you possibly can because they're the reason that you keep going. They justify the suffering. And the tricky thing with feelings is like, well, Daniel, I don't feel like it. Or I'm tired. Or I don't know, I've just been moody. Well, I just wish, Daniel, I'll do it when I feel like doing it. Be very careful, folks, because our feelings fluctuate. We can be tired for whatever reason. We had too many cars. It could be an iron deficiency. There could be a boatload of reasons why you're tired. But the chances that you do something that brings you value or used to bring you value, it's going to be a lot better for you than engaging in one of those activities that that you don't value, frankly. Why meaning? Because we need to have something. Because when life gets hard, and we're thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through all this? If we don't have an answer, folks, that's where it can turn into a slippery slope. Why am I going to school? I don't know. Well, look, this is a lot of stress. Should I drop out? Why am I going to work? Why am I going on a fourth date with this girl? Why? What is the reason behind this? Oh, my family member is sick. I'm in a lot of pain. Why am I doing this? And when we don't have a why, life gets very, very difficult. More difficult than it already is. So a couple of pillars in existentialism, just to leave you off with, are these. Number one, become self-aware. Become aware of who you are, where you are in the world, the environment that you're in, and the idea that, look, people change over time. You can change over time. And the way that you look at things, the way that you look at life is different than other people. And it's important to understand what you like and what means a lot to you versus what's just a casual thing. It doesn't mean that much to you. Responsibility is a huge one. You got to understand that you are responsible for your life. Dr. Frank Frankel said, I cannot choose what happens to me. You're referring to the concentration camp. I cannot choose how people treat me. But what I can choose is my attitude towards them. I am forever in control of my attitude. And whatever happens in the day that isn't in my control, I can choose my attitude. I'm, something might happen that makes you feel very stressed. 
And some look at stress and go, oh my God, this sucks. I feel terrible. Stress sucks. Others go, stress is my friend. Stress is a normal physiological reaction. And I can use stress to make me better. Dr. Frankel believed we can choose our attitudes. Another important pillar is acknowledging death. This movie will come to an end. Your book will come to an end. You do not know when. You are on chapter two. We don't know how long your book is. God forbid you go out tomorrow, you get hit by a bus, and on page three, chapter two, your book ends. So it's important when we start to get to things like overthinking about life, about the future, we recognize the finite time that we have. And the finite time, hopefully, would motivate an individual to do as much as they can with the time that they're allocated. And if we can do that, if we can recognize that our time is finite and not infinite, maybe we don't take days for granted as much. Maybe it'll help us live every day a little bit fuller. Maybe we appreciate the little things more because we recognize they won't be here all the time. Folks, I recognize this one is quite philosophical. It's up in the air, it's abstracts. You know, it's not as tangible, it's not as concrete with exercises and advice. However, my own personal opinion are that these sorts of conversations are really important to have. And when we look at depression, when we look at anxiety, when we look at trauma, it's always important to have that resilience and to be able to bounce back and to be able to think, why am I doing this? And if you're ever in a tough spot and you can't justify why you're doing something, it's that much easier to just drop all the plates and walk out. I hope you enjoyed, folks. I hope it sparked some more curiosity. And as always, if you're interested, definitely check out Viktor Frankl. Check out Soren Kierkegaard. Check out, oh, there's a, there's a bunch more of them. Rollo May, who have a bunch more to say about existentialism, about finding meaning in our lives, and how a lack of meaning can be the root of depression, anxiety, and a lot of other mental troubles. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe.